0: All right, all right, it's about that time. If I don't hurry up this intermission, I will be accused of being long winded and I don't want that, all right? So I gotta hurry y'all up from your visiting. So a couple things real quick. Uh, We have this in the chair back in front of you. So if you are new and you haven't filled this out, this is our connection card um, and you can put your name and info on it and we will, add you to our weekly emails and updates if you're interested in that and we'd also just love to know that you came so check this out fill it out and drop it off in the offering box if you don't need to do that on the back there's places for you to take notes for the sermon or there's prayer request spots that you can put prayer requests and drop it off in the offering box also if anybody needs a journal we put some journals on the back journals are a great way to take notes for the sermon that you can look back through after a few months and seeing what you've learned and how to apply it to your life so Feel free to grab one of those. Um, Also, for newer folks, we have this thing called First Step. And First Step is the second Sunday of every month. It'll be in the big room. There's a sign-up sheet back there. We're doing it regardless, and the whole staff is going to get together and eat pizza the second Tuesday of the month. And for new folks, if you sign up, you can come join us for that and meet the staff and just get to know us, and your kids are welcome, and it'll be a great time. So sign up for First Step back there. And if you've been coming a long time and you just want to hang out with me, you can sign up for that too, all right? Um, Last but not, oh, also, if you signed up for Rooted, Rooted is kicking off today, and it's gonna be for 10 weeks, so be sure to go to the big room, or actually, I'm sorry, the J Road student room right after service, and they will meet there for your very first Rooted meetup today, okay? Last but not least, we'll talk more about this next week, but Equip You is coming up, and this, so every once in a while we do these equipping events to, um, we had one on marriage, we had one on parenting. This one is, is really for everybody, regardless if you're married or have kids, it's called um, How to Approach God's Word, or really How to Study God's Word. Um, and it's going to be led by our founding pastor, Justin Thornton, and his wife, Ann Thornton. They're going to lead that. It's going to be Friday night with dinner, and then also Saturday morning. And so it's going to be like a whole weekend of how to get into God's Word and what is, how do we study God's Word. So we want you to sign up for that back there if you're interested, and we will send you more information about that. But that'll be a great weekend. That'll be February 26th, 25th, 26th, 26th, 27th, one of there, whatever Friday and Saturday is in February the 26th. So sign up for EquipU. It's coming up. Sound good? Okay. Uh, raise your hand if you're getting our J-Road prayer text. Raise your hand. All right, all you guys are getting the j Rowe prayer text. If you want to get it and you're not getting it, let me know. The, you can also look at last week's email. I put it in every week's email of how to get those prayer texts. Um, and we'll send you our daily prayers, because right now we're doing the 40 days of prayer. So, we're, like, every day we're praying for the same thing as a church body for 40 days. And it's a way for us to approach God with the same thing. And each week we have a different theme. The first week was surrendering yourself to God. Second week was hospitality. Last week was worship, and how do we worship God and how to increase our worship. And this week is all about marriages, all right? It's all about marriages. Praying for your marriage, praying for other people's marriage. Single folks here are like, okay, I'm just out this week. I don't even, I'm not even married, I'm done, you know, why do you have to do that? Um, in, the, in the prayer text that we send out, there's something for single folks as well. Um, and I'll talk about that in the message today for single folks as well. Um, so, it's for everybody, and even if you could just lift up the marriages in the church, or marriages in your life, your, your, your kids' marriage, your grandkids' marriage, your cousins' marriage, your friends' marriage, our marriages need prayer, and part of us being a church body is we're there for each other's marriage, right? Like, I want Mike to have the best marriage he could have for the body of Christ, because our marriages are a reflection of the church, right? Like, our, our marriages are a reflection of our relationship with Jesus, and so if there's a marriage in trouble in the church, we should be rallying around those folks. Whether you're single or not, we should be supporting each other's marriages. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so the next couple of weeks is all going to be somewhat topical based on our theme for that week. So this week you're going to be praying for folks. You're going to be praying for your spouse. You're going to be praying for other marriages all week. Part of the reason is, is number one, marriage is an ancient institution instituted of God. Marriage isn't something that man created. Marriage is created by God in the Garden of Eden. You know, we look at Genesis 2, 24, and it says this. It says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The two are united into one. The two, other translations, the two become one flesh. And, And so when Adam and Eve were created, that's when marriage was created. And, and it's, a, it's a very ancient institution. So God loves marriage. The other thing is our enemy, the devil, hates marriage. Like he hates marriage, right? Like the enemy's goal in your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. But it's to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage. And, and if he can get his, get his wedges in or get his claws in, the first place he's going for is your marriage. Because if your marriage isn't good, nothing else is good. So he's going to be going after that. He's going to be putting seeds of thoughts in your mind. He's going to be putting seeds of distrust in your mind. He's going to be trying to get you and your spouse to break up. He's going to be just he's going to be trying to put miscommunication between you two. And he's going to try to break up your marriage. Satan hates it because it's a picture of the Christ and his church. And so that's why we need to make sure our marriages at J-Road are strong and we are also supporting each other's marriages. So in the marriage ceremony, when two people are married, they're making a promise to each other. They're making vows to each other, and it's a promise. And in the marriage ceremony, it's, they make a vow and a covenant to each other in front of the whole church and their friends and family. And the marriage is consummated when they, you know, come one and make love for the first time. And that's where the two become one flesh, literally and figuratively, in this spiritual, you know, sexuality that happens. And It's good. You know, it's good, and, and the marriage ceremony is the promise, and then the marriage bed is where the promise is filled, and throughout our marriage, we continue to fulfill that promise, and it's good. It's the two becomes one flesh, and that is sort of the theme of this message a little bit, because as I was talking to Joel and Ashley, if you guys know Joel and Ashley, Ashley's a worship leader. Joel's her husband. Um, they're both in Bible college, and so they're like, you're talking about marriage? They're like, here's like, like 50 things, you know, and it was really good. Like, We had great conversation maybe we should do a marriage series because there's probably 18 sermons we could preach on about marriage right like like the sexual part of marriage and how important and sacred that is could be a whole series you know and communication in marriage and forgiveness in marriage and trust in marriage and everything like it's such a broad topic so i'm only just going to give like a helicopter view of marriage for us today and give you some things to take away does that sound good But the idea I want you to think about is this one flesh. And so in marriage, our goal is to be constantly pursuing oneness with our spouse and staying away from things that hurt oneness in marriage. So embracing the things that create oneness and doing away with things that separate that oneness. And that could be, everything you do could be put to that grid, right? Should I work? second shift or first shift, the boss doesn't care, we get an extra $3 an hour if I work second shift. I'm only going to see my wife once a week, but it's $3 an hour. What should I do? Will it promote oneness or will it hinder oneness? You know, like if you can make a decision through that grid, you can kind of help that. Probably is going to hurt oneness if you have a choice. I know some people don't have a choice in their workplaces. But if we have choices, we should always run through that grid. But before we get into this, I want to preface two prefaces before we even get into marriage. And that'll be For our single folks here, because I know we have a lot of single folks here, and for our folks here that are married to unbelieving spouses. Those are two things that we should, like, preface a little bit. Because um, I have a friend that goes here, he's single, and, you know, he's been single for a while. But he, he has this joke that he says every time everybody, all the pastors say, hey, it's so good to be single. You know, it's okay to be single. It's good to be single. And all of them who are preaching that are all married you know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, if you think it's so good, why aren't you single? Why'd you get married if you think it's so good? You know, every pastor says it's great to be single. It's good. It's a gift from God. But they're all married. So he always gives me a hard time about that. Um, but it's true. <laughs> it's good to be single, right? Um, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7, being single is good. It's not bad, okay? Let me just say that. Being single is good. It's not bad. Um, for two long single folks in the church have been made to feel as if they are not as good as married folks. If you were to hear that or talk to somebody, you know, some of your friends here that are single, there have been times where maybe in the church has made them feel like they are not as good because they are not married. Or maybe they're not as spiritual because they're not married. Or something's wrong with them because they're not married. And we don't see that in the Bible. Like, we don't see that. That's something we make up. And think about how we ask them. Hey, did did you find a girl yet? You got a girlfriend yet? It's like the first thing we ask in pressure. Hey, you got a boyfriend? You got a boyfriend? Who are you seeing? When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? And those are somewhat like demeaning questions, right? And it's sort of like you're not complete until you're married. We shouldn't be asking those questions like that in that context. The question we should be asking is how is your relationship with the Lord? Is it solid? Is it good? You reading the Bible? You praying? Is that good? And not put pressure on our single folks to get married. And, and that's important. And the Bible says singleness is a good thing, and I'll explain what they mean. But first, I'll let the Bible speak for itself. Um, 1 Corinthians 7 um, it talks about singleness and, and married folks who are with an unbelieving spouse. It talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7. So we'll have 6 through 9 up here, and then 32 through 35. And so Paul says this, and again, he says it right in verse 6, I say this as a concession, not as a command. So he's not saying all of you must stay single if you're single. He's not saying that. He's saying this, that, that this is a concession, meaning this is something I'm suggest- suggesting, and, and for good reason, okay? He's saying, I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God in one kind of, or another. So I say to those who aren't married and two widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves... They should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry and then to burn with lust. Okay. And then he skips down to 32, and he goes back to that at the end of the chapter. He says, I want you to be free from, this, from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. And I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Okay? You know, I know this is sort of small text, but I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best is it going to be, are you serving the Lord great now and you're single? And you're content in your singleness? Great. Don't feel pressure to get married. If you're feeling like, I, I want to get married, you know, I, I just had a strong desire to get married, good. Get married. Serve the Lord. Married. Find a Christian spouse and get, and get married. See, God designed marriage with a purpose. If you are a husband and you're, it, oh, no, no, never mind. I don't want to say that yet. Let's skip down too far. Paul isn't saying it's bad to be married. He's saying, enjoy the season of life you're in. If you want a a wife, start praying. If you want a husband, start praying, and fasting for that. But your life goal shouldn't be to be married. Your life goal should not be to be married. It should be, how do I please the Lord? How can I please the Lord best with my life? How can I glorify the Lord in my life? Like, that should be our life's goal, and especially as a prerequisite to marriage, Okay? It should be the prerequisite to marriage. Each person, each has a unique gift. Find your gift for the kingdom and use it. Use this season that you're in, single folks, to find joy in the Lord. Like, to find joy in the Lord. If you haven't found joy in the Lord, a husband is not going to do that for you. If you haven't found this peace with the Lord, a wife is not going to bring you that. (laughs) I promise you. If you haven't found like this closeness and an intimate relationship with the Lord, a spouse isn't gonna do it. And you wanna know, find a spouse who who also has a joy of the Lord if you're looking. Find a spouse like that's the first and foremost thing that I ever tell anybody. And is if you are a believer, you must look for a believing spouse. Period. End of story. Don't even date somebody who is not a believer. Because if you fall in love and you really like that person and they're cool and they have a lot of interests, but they do not know the Lord, that's going to be a huge oneness, a huge hindrance to oneness. You're going to want to go to church. They're not going to want to go to church. You're going to want to pray. They're going to be like, you do your thing. I'm not. You have a God in the Lord and they have their own God they worship. Because as we said last week, we all worship something, right? And so, And the Bible says, do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. So the prerequisite to any relationship are, are you a believer? You know, you're on Tinder if you're looking for somebody, you know, or match or fish or wherever you're at, whatever they're called. Uh, You know, ask those questions. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah? Like, do you go to church? Yeah, yeah, I go to all shores. Okay, what's the name of the pastor? Uh, I don't know, but I go there on Easter, you know, like, they're probably not on your same level. They're probably not where you're at spiritually. And they're going to bring you down. And so wait for the Lord to bring you that right person. There's a lot of amazing Christian guys that love Jesus. There's a lot of amazing Christian women that love Jesus. And they're out there and pray and ask Jesus to bring him into your life. If you are looking for that. If you are not, be content growing closer to the Lord. Okay. Unbelieving spouses. We know there's a handful of folks here who have a spouse that don't believe in the Lord. And maybe they say they believe, but by their actions, there's no faith there. And so some of us have a spouse, an unbelieving spouse. And so it says this in 1 Corinthians seven twelve through 16. Now I'll speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy. But now they are holy. Verse 15, But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? That's a pretty good charge to people here whose spouses are not believers. It's like, don't know how y'all ended up? where well, one of y'all a believer, one isn't? That doesn't matter at this point, right? Doesn't matter. It says, don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? because of your conduct, because of your love, because of pouring yourself out for them, loving them, serving them, they might be saved because of you. And they might, the Lord might make the scales fall from their eyes. And it says, likewise, um, for husbands, don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Husbands that are here and your wives are not following Jesus. You can bring these folks to the Lord by loving them, serving them, lifting them up, washing them, like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That doesn't change if they're following Jesus or not. And for our wives, it's like love, respect your husbands, love them, serve them, take care of them. It's, it doesn't change if they're not a believer. God has designed marriage with purpose. If you are a husband and your wife is an unbeliever, God has, God's purpose for you is to still love and cherish your wife in the same way Christ loves the church, according to Ephesians 5. You are to lovingly lead her, serve her, treasure her, and stay faithful to her. And likewise, wives, you are to love and respect your husbands according to Peter 3. God's bigger mission for marriage is not just what we get out of marriage, but how we can glorify God in our marriages. Let me say that again for the folks in the back, as they say. God's bigger mission for marriage is not just what we get out of marriage, but how we can glorify God in our marriage. Like, that's what is important? How can you glorify God with your unbelieving spouse? How can you glorify God? How can you love and serve them? And our purposes don't change in marriage just because our spouses don't believe. And it's hard. It's not easy. And so I give you I give you those encouragements for our single folks or our folks who have husbands that aren't really following the Lord right now. Um, and i be more than happy to pray with you after service as well if you want to talk more about that. And so now it's instructions for our married folks, all right? And so, as we said, infinite resources to pray for our married folks and, and what to lead them in and, and how to pray for them and how to teach them this morning. And as I studied it, you know, um, you know and, and what can I say in 10 minutes? You know, like, <laughs> what can I say in 10 minutes? Um, a lot of pastors might go here and say, hey, we're going to do this, this passage, like, husbands love your wives Christ love the church, That's really good. Husbands, love your wives, Christ, love the church. But I want to try something a tad different um, in the sense that here's what God put on my heart for marriages. In a lot of marriages, we are very good, a lot of people, we're very good at applying the Bible to our lives in every area except for marriage. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes we have people that are so good at loving your neighbor, but you've neglected to love your wife. You're so good at loving your coworkers, but you've really neglected to love your husbands. You're really good at showing honor and respect to your boss at work, but you show no respect to your husband. You know what I mean? Like you treat them, treat them poorly. And it's, so it's saying like, how are we, first and foremost, applying God's word to our spouse first before we apply it to anybody else? Because if we're really good at applying God's word, Everywhere else, but bad in our marriage, we failed, right? Like that should be the first place that we apply everything we learn on Sundays or throughout the week and in our missional communities is to our to our spouse first and foremost. So, um, I'm gonna, this is my marriage passage for today. All right, it's Ephesians four twenty nine through thirty. Ephesians four twenty nine through thirty, and then I'll go into thirty one through thirty two next. But it says this, Ephesians 4, 29-30. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths to your spouse. I added the spouse part, all right? Because y'all need to hear it. (laughs) Y'all need to hear it. It doesn't say that, but it means that, right? It doesn't mean don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth when you're talking to your coworkers because you only see them a couple hours a day or, you know, in the break room and the spouse that you're with every single day of the week, you're not, you're not following this principle. And I get it. It's the hardest to apply God's word to our marriage because those are the people who know us intimately and those are the people, people we know intimately and those are the people who know our secrets, those are the people who know all our baggage, these are the people that have seen our biggest mistakes, right? Like Nicole knows my biggest mistakes more than anybody else. She holds the most power in my life right? Like to crush me like a bug. <laughs> you did this. Remember when you clogged the toilet a year ago? We promised we wouldn't bring that up. Um, no. do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths to your wives or your husbands, but only what is helpful for what? Building your spouse up according to their needs, that it may benefit them who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. As I said, our marriages are no longer two, but now you're one. So you and your spouse are not just two people living together. In God's eyes, you and your spouse are one organism, one living being. And so we need to, like, promote oneness in every way. And so we're not two, but we're one, so everything should be doing this. Everything should be done to promote oneness. Does any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth towards your spouse? Thank you. (laughs) That's the answer I was looking for. Never. (laughs) Does any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? What about, have you ever had any unwholesome talk about your spouse come out behind their back? to your friends, to your guy friends, or, you know, to your girlfriends if you're out with them? Do you kind of demean your husband a little bit behind their back? And if so, this is not good. It's like there's wedges being formed even if your spouse doesn't know it because you are planting seeds of division to your friends and family talking bad about your spouse, right, in the, in the light of I'm just venting and, and you know, They're this, they're this, they're this, and all you're doing is speaking negativity about your spouse. And it's saying, that should not even come out of your mouth, but only what's for building them up, and building them up, and, you know, encouraging them, encouraging your wives, encouraging your husbands. What I said always, and this is a a personal pet peeve of mine, is when you are at a gathering, and you see, you know, we're all talking, there's like ten people in a circle just chit-chatting, and a wife and I'll say it for both genders, too, a wife puts down her husband in front of him. Oh, yeah, he can't fix anything. You know, we always have to call his dad because he can't fix anything. (laughs) I see that in situations, and when I see that, my wife knows that I, that, like, spurs my heart because, you know, we taught on this a lot. I look at the husband every single time I see the husband put his head down. And he's just, the soul just like leaves his body because his wife put him down instead of building him up, right? You know, he never says nice things. It's like, oh, his soul just left his body. And you know what? That night, he's probably not going to be the most gracious person to be with at home. (laughs) That's not going to spur him on to kindness. That's really just sucked the life out of his body. It's the same way husbands might say a negative word about their wives, maybe in joking or maybe in sarcasm, and the soul just comes out of their body. Like, you just put her down in front of people. Like, that's not good. That's, that shows that there's toxicity in your marriage. He never does this. He's horrible at this. He's not good at this. He never does this. And it's like, oh, like, I just saw, like, this toxic come out in your marriage in front of us. Like, this isn't good. Like, don't let any unwholesome talk, only what builds them up. Don't let anything build them up. It's only what builds them up. Husbands, are you actively, consciously trying to build up your wives every day? And wives, are you actively trying to build up your husbands every day? First thing I say, like when I do pre-marriage, or marriage counseling, not pre-marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling fun. They're in love. They're excited. Marriage is going to be great. As soon as we get married, all our problems are going to be solved. You know, I'll never have a sexual urge again because I'm going to be married now and we have sex, we'll have sex all the time, so that won't be a problem. We won't fight any, we won't fight anymore. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna tell you the real deal about marriage. (laughs) It's hard as what? First year is hard and you learn each other and you're struggling and and so, but in marriage counseling, when I do marriage counseling in a toxic marriage, it's very hard. And really, a good counselor friend of mine told me, he's like, because I'm not like a counselor, I'm not a trained counselor, but I know how to like disciple folks, I know how to love people and give advice. But he said, if you ever do marriage counseling, you have to take control of that meeting right away. If you don't, it's going to go haywire. And I'm like, okay. And I learned that advice, like, a couple years ago when I met with a couple that was really fighting, and it just went bananas. Like, we met at, like, 6. It didn't get over till midnight. And it was constantly fighting. It was constantly fighting. And And I remember one time I looked at the clock. I didn't talk for an entire hour. I was listening to them fight, and I did not reel it in. You know, the wild horse went wild, and I couldn't bring it back. I'm like, whoa, ho. And you know what comes out of each person's mouth? Tom and Sally I'm meeting with. Sally always does this. Sally's always doing this. And Tom is always doing this. And the first thing out of their mouth is the other person's name. They're always doing this. They're always doing this. The reason we have problems is because of them. The reason we have problems is because of them. And they're not looking at themselves. They're only looking at their spouse. And, and, and it's like, but but if you knew the spouse I had, it's like none of this... Is about your spouse it's about you right it's about taming your own tongue it's about taking care of your own bitterness it's about building up your spouse regardless if they give a rip about building you up building up your husband even though they haven't tried once to build you up right that's what this is about building up your wife even though she is cold towards you and it's because you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for the Lord, amen? And so I'm gonna invest and build up my wife regardless of what she does for me. And if we could adopt that mentality, we are gonna win in marriage. We're gonna have a great marriage. Husbands, you're gonna have a lot of sex. Wives, you're gonna have a lot of like intimate conversation that's all, last all night of just talking and, you know, or vice versa if the other things are jam, you know, right? You know, like everybody has needs. Um, but it's about them, or no. It's not about them, it's about you. Getting my signals crossed here, but you all know what I meant. What I always say, I'm going to do this for the next time I marriage counsel somebody, I'm going to have a window and I'm going to have a mirror. And I'm going to say, all you're doing is looking through the window at everybody else's problems and what you need to have is the mirror and look at yourself if you want a good marriage. Each of you look in the mirror and say, what am I doing wrong? How can I repent of it? How can I confess it? And how could I have a good marriage? And this is kind of my, one of my main ending points. In order for our marriages to work, we need to have a healthy pattern of confession and forgiveness. We need to have a healthy pattern of confession and forgiveness. Think about your marriage right now. If you and your spouse aren't, like, forgiving each other and repenting to each other and confessing to each other at least five times a week, you're not doing it enough. It's like, well, we're confessing our sins so much we have a bad marriage. No, you have a great marriage. You have a great marriage. You know how many times I confess to Nicole? Five times a week, probably, minimum. Probably have to confess to her about something I said today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I, I cracked eggs. I was making scrambled eggs. I left egg yolk all over the counter. And I know you hate that. I did it again. I'm sorry. And she says, I forgive you. And I, you know, we just confess to each other, right? In order for our marriages to work, we need to have a healthy pattern of confession and forgiveness over and over again. Guys, ask your wife's forgiveness, admit you're wrong. Wives, ask your husband's forgiveness, admit you're wrong. And then when you forgive each other, we need to say this I forgive you, right? The words need to leave your mouth. We teach our kids this. Don't just, if your husband says, hey, I'm sorry. I did this, don't say, that's okay. Don't say, I forgive you. It's not condescending, it's you offering forgiveness. I forgive you. And when you say, I forgive you, you are saying, I'm not going to bring this up again. It's done, right? I'm not going to bring it up again. When was the last time you confessed your sin to your wife? Not like your sin, your personal sin, but your sin against your wife. When was the last time you are like, I am really sorry. I sinned against you. Or wives, when was the last time you confessed your sin against your husband to your husband? Hey, I sinned against you in this way. It could be something as little as, hey, I forgot to take out the trash, and I know I said I would. Or I'm late home from work, and I know I said I would. I'm sorry. When was the last time you said I'm sorry to your spouse? That will heal you. This will heal your marriage. This will start to heal your marriage. But they never say Sorry. Now you're looking through the window again. You look at the mirror. It's not about them. You say you're sorry to your spouse because you know you're supposed to do it to the glory of God. It doesn't matter what they do. If you never hear your spouse say you're sorry again for the rest of your life, you do this, right? For God's glory. For God's glory. Okay, I got two more minutes. The worship team could come and get ready while I make my last point. Um, Mikey said he needed more time to get in the drum cage, so... Want to give mikey more time he has a really nice haircut and comb today it looks really good so make sure you compliment his nice hair mikey shouts stuff in my sermon nonsense every week and so i have to give it back to him once in a while if your spouse has hurt you you need to tell them okay that's not wrong okay and so this is kind of the other is confessing your sins to each other. If your spouse has hurt you, we need to be in a pattern of telling our spouses they hurt me. Not in anger, not in rage, but telling them it's okay. Like I heard people say, I don't want to tell my spouse that I'm hurt because then I'll feel like I'm weak or like I'm like thin-skinned or like I'm being a pansy or whatever. It's like we need to tell our spouses that what they did hurt us. And I'll show you a verse that applies to that. Again, another marriage verse. It's written to the church, but our marriage is the same thing. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 16. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by a testimony of two witnesses. Okay? This is a marriage verse. If your spouse has upset you, and they have hurt you in some way, whether it's a little offense or a big offense, you need to tell them lovingly, not in a fight, that's not in a fight when you're angry and you're all upset, but lovingly say, hey, what you did upset me. And they say, man, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? Yeah, you have won them over. I'm going to share this verse in a different translation. Could you show that other one, Clint? Or Bridget, sorry. This is the JZV. That's the Jim Zatko version, all right? So don't accuse me of heresy. My father-in-law is here. He might just turn me into the district. I just altered the verse for our marriages, okay? If your husband or wife sins, go and point out their fault. Many of you have a really hard time with pointing out their fault because it's like, I don't point out the fault of my spouse, right? It's okay to do it with love. Where it's a problem is when you're angry in the middle of a fight is not the time to point out your spouse's fault. But when you're calm and you sit down and you share how they hurt you, that's okay. Point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have made your marriage stronger. It means the same thing. You have, you have one a brother in the other context. If they listen to you, you've just made your marriage stronger. You've just like put cement on that wall right there. But if they will not listen or they disagree, seek a counselor, pastor, MC leader to help mediate the conflict. So that's the same thing, but a little different. It's okay to go to a counselor for your marriage. It doesn't mean that your marriage is bad. Oftentimes in marriages, we wait to see a counselor until it's too late. Never wait till it's too late. Go to a counselor when your marriage is doing good, and you just got to iron out some wrinkles. Go in it when it's not, when it's a little rocky. Go to a counselor. Come in. Like, my wife and I would love to talk to you and just help mediate and help listen. We're not professional counselors, but we could help help you point out things. It's good, you know. Your MC leader could help you just listen to what's going on and give you advice. And they could help mediate and make your marriage stronger. So that's my challenge to you. If anything I said today is like, wow, we have major red flags, go see a counselor. Go see somebody in the church, a couple in the church that you trust. Any of our elders, and their wives have—they gr- mo- they have great marriages. They'll help you. Talk to them, and I'll point you in that direction. Counseling is good. Don't wait until it's too late. Guys, if we get this right, whether you're single, whether you have an unbelieving spouse, whether you have a, a marriage that's in, in the rocks, or a marriage that's awesome, if we get this right, our church is going to be stronger, and we're going to reach more people for Jesus. If we get this wrong, We better just work on this until we get it right. I love you guys, and I love your marriages, and I want us to have great marriages. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church. God, we know that marriage is a reflection of our relationship with you. So help us be full of forgiveness and grace with our spouse. Help us be kind and gentle with our spouses. Help us not just look at our spouse and point out their flaws, but help us look at God's word and and notice where we fall short. And help us ask forgiveness to our spouses. Say, honey, I'm sorry. Even if our spouse doesn't care, Lord, even if they don't want to hear it, help us say we're sorry. Help us confess so there's no roots of bitterness in our marriages. Help some of us go seek help in our marriages if they need it. Lord, we know that you want our marriages to succeed. You want us to have oneness in marriage, strong marriages, so we can be a light to the world. So God, help us. Help us this week as we pray for our marriages and other people's marriages. God, as we pray for a spouse one day that you're maybe leading us to that, Pray for those folks. I pray for the people that are just content being single in the Lord, and they're just focusing on you, Lord. I pray for them that they just enjoy that and they're content in that. Pray for the folks that have unbelieving spouses. Be hard. It's a hard road. But God, help them just glorify you in that marriage and love their spouse. Love them well, despite any love they receive back. Just thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.